This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Hi, awesomes. Welcome back to Sorta Awesome. I'm your host, Meg Teets. And friends, buckle up and get ready to enjoy the ride. This does not happen very often. In fact, it's not nearly often enough, but we have, in fact, gotten the band back together. I am here today (laughs) with some longtime besties uh, for me and for y'all, too, especially if you are an old school awesome. I'm joined today by Ms. Rebecca Hoffer. Hi, Rebecca. Hello. And of course, Kelly Gordon is here. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Meg. Hey, awesomes. And sort of awesome alum, Laura Tremaine is back on the show. Hi, Laura. I'm back. (laughs) Podcaster emeritus. (laughs) Yes, Yes, exactly. We were just about to talk about how much we miss each other. And I was like, no, wait, let's, let's push record and let's get this, get this recorded for the people. But Laura, truly, we do this, this, the vibe, the sitting down, the catching up. Of course, we do that sometimes, you know, offline. We text and, and we have Voxer and those types of things. But to get to sit with our mics on, our cameras on and talk, Laura, thanks for bringing us back together with this. I miss y'all so much all the time. <laughs> And if I am allowed to say, I hope this isn't a secret that I'm spilling, oh. but we do have an OG sort of awesome oh. Voxer thread. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, we do. Mm-hmm. And I love it so much when y'all's names pop up in my Voxer in that thread, particularly because I know that the conversation <laughs> is going to be funny yeah, and interesting. And it just feels like this warm, fuzzy comfort. And I just love it. Our voices together makes me so happy. Yes. There's a familiarity for sure. Yeah. I'm just like, I feel like I'm just like in waves of nostalgia right now. It feels so good. Um, And Awesomes, I hope that you're vibing with us too. If you are new to Sorta Awesome, you may not know that Laura was a co-host, a founding co-host from back uh, in the beginning days from 2015 to 2017. I think through the end of 2017 I mean, feels right. What is time? Who knows? What are calendars? Who knows? But Laura, you are not here just to bring the nostalgia back. We we have a particular reason for our conversation today. You have a new book that's just about to come out into the world. Kelly and Rebecca and I have gotten a little preview, of course, when we we're going to be talking about that. This is your second book. Tell us a little, give us, give the people the preview that they need to know right now. Okay, I'm so excited that my second book is coming out because when I stepped away from Sorta Awesome back in the day, it was with a heavy heart, but it was because I wanted to write books. Yes, (laughs) that's right. Yes. (laughs) And I don't know that I actually thought I was going to do it. Oh, but it's true. Here we are on my second book, and it is called The Life Council, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs. And it is about friendship, which is something I talk a lot about online, on social media, on my own podcast. Like It is a topic that has come up over and over again over all my years of like back from blogging days, adult friendship and what is hard about it, what is awkward about it, 
what is the etiquette around it? <laughs> like it's come up over and over again. And so after my first book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First, was about connection. It felt like the next natural step was this book called The Life Council, mm. because it's looking at our friendships in a different way, in a fresh way, I hope, because we can really get mired down in all of the lack that we have in friendship. Yeah. Like we think, oh, I don't have a bestie. Mm-hmm. I don't have an old friend. I don't have a soul sister. Like we think these things that we see in movies and TV and even on social media that we just are noticing a lot of times the things we don't have. Yeah. And so I wanted to write this book about looking at our existing landscape This book is not a directive to go make all new friends at all. It's like the opposite of that, actually. To look around at the people already in your life and see them as almost like a board of directors would be for a company. You know, when you put together a board of directors for a company, you pick people with different strengths, someone who's really good financially, someone who's really creative, someone who's like great with customer service or whatever the business is. If we did that in our life and could see the different like strengths and energies and value of the people that are already there, it fills us with abundance instead of the lack. And so in the 10 friends that I lay out, I do these sort of 10 archetypes of types of people, types of friendships that you could have. And these are the ones that are in my life. But I'm really hoping that the reader is reading and maybe seeing how their life looks different, what their different seats might look like. It should also be noted that this comes from partially (laughs) a sort of awesome episode. It does. If you're sitting there thinking, 10 friends every woman needs, why does that sound so familiar? This is such a full circle moment because this is an actual conversation we had on Sorta Awesome years and years ago. I mean, as you awesomes know, we've been talking about friendship for a long time because it is such an important part, plays such an important role in the lives of so many women. So we've been talking about it for a while. And yes, here it has bloomed into a whole book. So it's all very full circle right now. I thank you for like letting me take that concept from an episode and really running with it. Yeah. The 10 friends that I write about in the book are, they don't match up exactly to that episode, but a lot of the same ideas and thoughts that we talked about years and years ago show up here in my book. And then also the whole concept of the book came from an internet friend who's now a real life friend that is in a a group with how I got to know Kelly and how Meg and I deepened our own friendship. Our friend Chris Ann is the one who sort of popped up with this idea of a life council. And so as I'm talking about the book, I'm trying to give credit where credit is due. I did not coin the phrase. Chris Ann let me run with the phrase, the life council. Meg let me run with the (laughs) subtitle, 10 friends every woman needs. Book writing, it's a collaboration. It is. It's it's a communal effort for sure. Yes. Well, we have so much good friendship talk that we're going to get into today. We are so excited to have Laura back. I know you guys are excited to hear from her here again on Sorta Awesome. So I cannot wait to do all of this catching up in friendship talk right here on Sorta Awesome.
Welcome back, awesomes, to the show that loves to support you in becoming smart, strong, and social. If you have been looking for amazing women to connect with and a community that will support you, no matter what age or stage of life you are in, I'm really happy to tell you that you've come to the right place because Sorta Awesome is not just a podcast. It's also your community on the go. And you know, we would love to have you connect with us outside of your podcast app in one of our communities on social media. That's where the real community stuff happens. So come and find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. On Facebook, you can come and find us in the Sorta Awesome Hangout. We'll have links in the show notes for all of that. We would love to have you connect with us. Oh, and by the way, we're on YouTube now, you guys. How do you feel about being YouTube stars, ladies? <laughs> stars might be a stretch. <laughs> it's generous, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can run with that. That's okay, though. It is, it's a whole new thing, though. Yeah. I, you guys, I just got a ring light. Yes. Kelly so has a ring now. light, everybody. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the 2000s, Kelly Gordon. It is a whole new world. I'm watching modern TV. I got a ring light. <laughs> I mean, it's, but it was, we have been, we, how do I say this? We record wherever we are. Yes. Are you throwing shade at me, Kelly? <laughs> no, because I'm usually in the basement. Well, basement office. That's like way better than a closet with the closet. Literal, literal clothes, yes. clothes hanging behind me. <laughs> I've moved. It's just made I've us move. Yeah, yeah that's even moved. Yes. <laughs> because of the video. The video is making us up our game. It's making us into better people, better podcasters. <laughs> um, I don't know that there's much to be improved on. We're all professionals here. So, but we are on YouTube now. So if you would like to watch uh, the episodes as well as listen. <laughs> You're welcome. You can watch all of our antics. You can watch my ring light fall over. Like there's there are Easter eggs if you watch the YouTube. So it might be a good thing. It's a- okay, but wait, are the YouTube episodes like first of all, I did not know this. <laughs> Sorry. All right, welcome. Didn't welcome send you your video YouTube. release. <laughs> so but second of all, what do you do about the things that we need to cut? We have never had an episode together where there wasn't a substantial chunk that needed to be cut out. So what do you do? Okay. Thankfully, and the reason that we are doing video now is because I'm using um, a software called Descript, which people in the industry, this industry might be familiar with. It's an editor. It uses AI and video. So I can go through and just make cuts straight out of um well, if I know what the parts are that need to be cut, I can do it so fast. And so that is why we are able to, I won't get into the nitty gritty. Kelly knows what I'm talking about, I'm sure. But but yeah, it's like, it's not this crazy amount of time spent editing video. I can go in and make cuts really quickly. So yeah. So you're saying I don't need to suddenly like watch every single thing. No, I say no, no, no. Still a little, little editing magic will be applied. No worries. Good, good. So, okay. Again, that's youtube.com slash sort of awesome if you want to watch the videos. Uh, let's go ahead, you guys, and start the show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. We all do have awesome of the week. So as per usual with the group show, you're getting like twice the amount of awesome here in awesome of the week. If you're new to sort of awesome, awesome of the week is the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever is making life a little more awesome right now. Could be a book or TV show, music, movie, podcast products, whatever's bringing that extra gold, shiny sparkle to our days. Rebecca, 
Let's start with you, my friend. What do you have for Awesome of the Week this week? Well, I am bringing something that I actually am finding quite annoying and obnoxious, which sounds very unawesome, but that's just because it's doing its job. Okay. okay, tell us everything. It is a productivity app. It's called OneSec. So I heard about this app on TikTok, and the app is designed to stop you from just unconsciously or obsessively opening an app probably social media, or maybe it's a game that you're really addicted to. I connected mine to TikTok because for me, that's the app where I can lose the most time the quickest. But you know, for somebody else, yeah, maybe it's Instagram, maybe it's a game. So after I set it up, every time that I click on TikTok to open the app, I am redirected to a screen telling me to take a deep breath. Oh, my gosh. And then Mm. after a six-second delay, I am asked (laughs) if I truly do want to open TikTok or if perhaps I have changed my mind. Ouch. Wow. It also shows me how many times I have tried to open TikTok in the last 24 hours and how long it's been since the last time I opened up TikTok. I both hate yes. and love this idea. Everybody is shook. <laughs> same, same, same. This is the worst awesome of the week I have ever brought to the show. <laughs> Does it connect to more than one app? Okay, you can use the free version to just connect to one app. But if you pay, then there's other um, features that you can unlock. And you can do it for $15 a year. Um, So it's not that much. But since I have been using this, I have decreased the amount of times I've opened TikTok by 9%. So it is working. Oh, my gosh. And... I will say I was doing TikTok with um, my son, Noah, and then we left the app and then we had to go back in and this like take a deep breath thing came up and he was like, oh my goodness, mom, does it do this every single time? This is annoying. I was like, yes, (laughs) yes, it does. That is the point. (laughs) It's like a a hybrid of annoying you into like mindfulness, right? Like it's just going to pester you until you're like, okay, fine. I will be mindful and think about if I intentionally want to get back on TikTok. Oh my gosh, this is brilliant and well worth $15 a year to get some of your time and attention and focus Or even free. Or even free. Or even free. But if you do the paid version, you can like have it remind you of other things that you maybe should be doing instead. Like, have you exercised? Or have you read a book? Have you... Do you need a drink of water? Maybe instead of opening TikTok, drink a glass of water. <laughs> I hate that feature. That feature sucks. <laughs> I hate the whole I haven't paid for it. I already hate the app enough as it is. I don't need to hate it more. <laughs> I agree with you. This does sound like the worst awesome of the week that will change your life in the best possible way. <laughs> it's called one sec, except it's actually six seconds. So whatever. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Rebecca. We will put a link in the show notes for you guys to go check that out if you also want to be annoyed into, you know, being intentional with your life. (laughs) All right, Kelly, how about you? What's awesome for you this week? So in keeping with the new profile of Kelly, I am bringing a modern TV show, you guys. Another Another one? Yes. Who are you? Wow. I guess I have an (laughs) MO. Not undeservedly, because... (laughs) That's it. You know, like I'm still. Didn't you bring the Brady Bunch one year? 
<laughs> I did not. Hello. I think you did. You I have talked about the Brady Bunch. I've talked about the Brady Bunch. I've talked about Days of Our Lives, I mean, which started, you know, 50 years ago. <laughs> so I had like, yes, I have an MO. But this show, it, it, this is so new that as you are listening, Awesomes, it has just come out. Like, so I'm talking about this show right now as we are recording, having only seen trailers, having seen oh. all the trailers that are okay. available to me because I'm so excited about it. So it's a show that's coming out on Netflix. It debuts on March 30th. So if you're listening to it and it's after that, it's out now for you. It is called Unstable. Okay. And it stars Rob Lowe. He's bringing you some serious. I do love Rob Lowe. <laughs> and that, that dates me a little bit too, because, but I mean, he is gorgeous. I love his characters. He is, if you read some of his writing, he's written books um, he's a very good communicator. He's a great podcast host. He's, I just really like him as a person. Yeah. Um, but this show, Unstable, is he is doing with his son, John Owen Lowe. And if you've ever followed Rob Lowe or seen anything on TikTok, they have a very funny relationship in social media because Rob is so public and John is an introvert and is not. And so he's really always poking fun at his dad, his dad's hair, his dad's ego, you know, things like that. So they decided to make a show out of it. Um, so they play father and son on this show, Unstable. The synopsis is that Rob plays Ellis Dragon, a universally admired, super eccentric, narcissistic, biotech entrepreneur who's working to make the world a better place. Um, he's definitely, if you watch the trailers, a glass full sort of person, but he's also at the moment in like an emotional free fall. He cannot come up with new ideas. He's losing his sense of self. The board of his company is getting really worried about him. He's doing like super crazy things. So they call his son Jackson Dragon, who is the opposite of his father and is estranged after the death of his mother, um, Alice's wife. And so he gets called back into the company to see if he can try to stabilize his dad. Okay. And of course, then their relationship, you know, is it is it able to be salvaged? So there's a lot of real life um, poking that's happening yeah. here in some of the trailers mm-hmm. that I've watched. You know, they're joking. He's like, yeah, I can't imagine having a dad who's a narcissist who is like always t- posting and talking about itself. <laughs> so there's a lot of, you know, this sort of energy that goes into it. And it just looks fun. If you have loved Rob Lowe's podcast, if you liked him in Parks and Rec, which Chris Traeger being like, <laughs> I feel like there's a part of Chris Traeger that lives in me. Feel the same way. I really do. <laughs> oh my gosh, love that! It was one of my very favorite characters ever in a sitcom. Um, but you know, even back to the West Wing, whatever. If you've seen Rob yeah. Lowe in, I think you kind of know what he's the type of acting, the type of character he's going to be bringing to the show. So I'm super excited. Again, as I'm talking about it, I'm making it my house of the week. I haven't seen it besides trailers, but you can now go watch it. Unstable on Netflix. It's available. That sounds so great. I genuinely do feel like the character of Chris Traeger is your twin flame, Kelly. Like, I feel like y'all exist in it the is same. Literally. <laughs> like, I, I hear that in my head all the time. And when I watch him, I always, my kids, I actually, we, for spring break, we went to Florida. I was watching Parks and Rec's episodes on plane. And my daughter looks at me and she's like, you know, you have a stupid grin on your face, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, not in a mean way, but she was like, you're just like. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I can't help it. It was like also the perfect season that they were playing. I don't know. Like, it's great. So I'm really excited about this show. So good. So good. Thank you. Again, links in the show notes for you guys mm-hmm. to go check that out. Laura, back to the Awesome of the Week segment. What have you brought for us, my friend? I went really classic. <laughs> 
So I brought a lipstick. Oh, good. Thank God. You know, nobody will come and talk to me about lipsticks on this show anymore. I have to, uh, Julie, my friend Julie will come like once in a blue moon. But thank God we have lipsticks. (laughs) She makes so relieved. I felt like I had to give the people what they want or maybe just what Meg wants. I don't know. But (laughs) basically. (laughs) I care about this for a few reasons. One, I'm very passionate about the power of a strong and bold lipstick. I've talked about this a million times. I know Meg talks about this. I might have even learned this from Meg, or at least we possibly <laughs> we learned it from each learned other. it together yes. back in yeah, show choir days sure. when it was mandated. Need everyone to know it was <laughs> mandated in the show choir that where Meg and I became friends in high school that we wear a very particular Mary Kay red mm-hmm. stage lipstick. Wow. Yep. We all had to wear the same lip much? and it was <laughs> it was Mary Kay. I cannot remember the shade name now, but I do remember that it, we all had to have the same one, one which yes. you know, and we were a variety of skin tones and and colorings mm-hmm. and hair color and everything back then. It was universally flattering actually. <laughs> It was. It was a great red. Thank you, Mary Kay. But please do tell us about the one you brought today. (laughs) Anyway, through all this time, I have believed in the power of a bold lipstick to like just up your mood, elevate your outfit. I wear sweatshirts almost every day of my life, but with a bold lip. Also, I'm on camera a lot on social media or like recording or whatever. And let me tell you, this is no shade to anyone on this particular recording, but a bold lip looks really good on camera. Mm-hmm. Yep. So anyway, does. I go through different ones over the years that I really gravitate towards. And some of my very favorites have been discontinued over the last couple of years. I really love the brand Fenty. They mm-hmm. made an excellent bold lip that they discontinued the whole line. So I have sort of been looking for a perfect... I like a fuchsia color, but a perfect formula is what really matters in bold lipsticks as much as the shade. The shade does matter, but also like, I don't want it to be too dry. I wear matte mostly, even though matte lipsticks can be aging sometimes. And I've actually noticed it on my own face as my lips get thinner or whatever that matte lipsticks can sometimes not not nail it. (laughs) But I'm wearing that a lot because I'm talking, I'm drinking, I'm whatever. I don't want it to budge. And and I like just the, you know, the way that that looks. So the one that I found, it's a little bit pricey, but I'm just not apologizing for it because when you find the perfect thing, (laughs) you go with it. And also, yes. Yeah. And also lipsticks last a very long time. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So this is Pat McGrath. If you know the Pat McGrath, like if you're ever in Sephora or, or wherever and they have Pat McGrath, she's a great brand. I really love the stuff she puts out. It's on the pricier side for sure. I have this on right now. It's so gorgeous. Like I noticed gorgeous. as soon as you came on camera, your lips are amazing. Thank you. I don't know that it's universally fl- flattering like a red would be, but it is definitely flattering um, if you have a lighter skin tone or blonde hair like I do. My blonde hair is fake. It doesn't matter. <laughs> It's called Full Panic is the shade. Okay. And it's the matte uh, formula. It's in a black little tube. I'm holding it up. I'll also put it on social. And y'all, like, really good lipstick. It'll change your day. It will. Yes, it will. It will change your day. It will change how other people experience you. It will change how you experience yourself. There will never not be a day when I'm not out there evangelizing in the streets (laughs) for a great 
bold lip. I'm not wearing a bold today, though. I, I let us all down. I just put on just a neutral. I apologize. You look beautiful <laughs> Sorry to myself, as usual. first of all. <laughs> you apologize. I think it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we will put a link in the show notes. It really does look so pretty on you, Thank for you. sure. So I have to go check that out. Okay. Um, my awesome of the week this week is, as you all are listening, especially if you're listening on the day that this episode drops, I'm not in Oklahoma City. I'm in Dallas, Texas, and I am with my sisters, my daughter, and two close friends, and we are headed to the AT&T Stadium to share the experience with ourselves and 100,000 of our closest friends <laughs> to see the one and only Ms. Taylor Swift as she opens her Dallas stop of the Eras Tour. So obviously, that is extremely awesome. It is I am going to go ahead and prognosticate that that will be my awesome of the week next week. Sure. Maybe an awesome of the year, right? Um, but to go along with this experience and my actual awesome of the week um, that you can also experience alongside me is I have, for the first time in a long time, launched a little passion project. So as I was talking to friends, my friends who are going, other awesomes about the Eras Tour, which is Taylor Swift's tour this year, Eras, covering all of her eras, going back to 2006. A number of people were talking to me about how they felt so stressed. They didn't know what they were going to wear. They were feeling stressed about the logistics of a huge stadium concert in this, the post-pandemic era that we are all experiencing together. And just like, how do I plan this? How do I get my mind around it? What am I going to wear? So I put together this little project that is called Bejeweled. And it is a Substack. So it's kind of like a newsletter. You will get, if you sign up, you do get newsletter updates. But also one thing I love about Substack is that all of those posts can live on Substack like a blog. And so you can go and check out the different outfit posts I'm going to put together. I have plans to do things like deep dive the songs that are in the set list for the Eras Tour. I put together a Google Doc to help you plan your trip to wherever you're going. Inside that Google Doc, there's a link to a spreadsheet that I didn't create, but another Swifty created that shows the whole set list, what songs are from what album, tracking the secret songs that she's performing at each stop. So if you like Taylor Swift and spreadsheets, you are going to be so happy about that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just super excited. Um, Rebecca and I talked about this on the Awesome Overflow for March 2023 that just came out this week. We were we were sort of like toasting each other in our hyperfixations and how fun they can be, how much joy they bring to our life. So that's really cool, Meg. I really love how you are going to be able to extend your experience yes. by like indulging in this little passion project. Yes. And I forgot fantastic. to say that the subtitle for the Substack is it's the heiress tour for moms, millennials, and more. And you, there's no shortage of ideas for like what to wear to the concert on TikTok and YouTube, but a lot of them are for like women who are in their teens or like 20s, early 20s. And if that's just not your vibe, if you want something that's a little bit more, I don't know, you just feel more comfortable in, it's more appropriate for what you would feel good in at a concert, then this is the place for you. And I will be continuing it on, even though I'm going to the concert on March 31st, um, it will continue on through August. When the Eras Tour comes to a close, then Bejeweled will come to a close. So I'm really excited. I hardly ever create projects for myself with an actual end date. So this will be new. <laughs> this 
will be fun. I mean, maybe that's good. Maybe I, it know, is. Because it's, it's starting it, but you're like, I also know how this is going to go and where it stops. Yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. So you can sign up at megteats.substack.com and I will put a link in the show notes for that. You guys, we have so much friendship talk to get into. I cannot wait to dive into this. And we're going to get to all of that when we come right back. Hey, awesomes, you are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from Jenny Kane. If you haven't met Jenny Kane yet, I want you to think minimalist meets luxury. When it comes to Jenny Kane, we are talking classic, we are talking comfortable, we are talking California-inspired clothes that you are going to want to never take off. If you are into casual cool comfort these days, but also looking pulled together, you are going to love the Jenny Kane aesthetic. Their sweaters are the it thing. You're going to get so many compliments on these. They've got their everyday sweater, the striped Chloe crew neck sweater, and cardigans that are made so well. You can feel the difference. That's what I got. I got the cashmere cocoon cardigan. It's got this incredible relaxed fit. And you guys, we all know cashmere is soft. Jenny Kane takes cashmere to a whole nother level. I have been forcing the people in my life, my friends, family, even strangers on the street to touch my Jenny Kane cardigan. It is by far the softest thing I've ever put on my body. And it looks so nice. It absolutely elevates any outfit I pair it with. In fact, it reminds me of my favorite diamond stud earrings. We're talking about those simple classic pieces that absolutely never go out of style. Jenny Kane believes in one thing, and that is the art of simplicity. If you are into simple, stylish, cozy, and chic, Jenny Kane has got the style for you. Modern, minimalist pieces that make you feel as good as you look. So awesomes, find your forever pieces at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off of your first order when you use code awesome at checkout. That's 15% off of your first order at J-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com and use promo code awesome, the brand go-to for all season staples. Treat yourself because you deserve it. Okay, we are back, and this week we are so thrilled to have our sorta awesome alum, Laura Tremaine, here talking about her brand new book, The Life Council, which you shared a little bit about at the top of the show. And so again, in the book, which is fantastic, you guys, I, I, I loved Laura's first book, and I love this book. I think, is it weird to, is it awkward to say, I think I like The Life Council even more? No, I'm getting a lot of reaction of that. Okay. Like, people are saying it nicely. It's, it's. <laughs> A little not awkward to receive it. Awkward isn't the right word because it's a it's positive, but it's unusual to receive it because to me, the writer, <laughs> share your stuff is a much more personal book. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. So that was more like yes. my heart yes. on the page. Right. The life council is less personal. I mean, it's about friendship, so there's personal things in it, but like it's it's just a different you know, it's not like yes, super deep soul stories that I've always wanted to tell. You right, know, it's right, different. Right. And so hearing that people are responding to it more, it's also maybe a bit more universal than share your stuff. Like not everybody connects to the need, desire, you know, to share themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, you know, they might also not have connected to a polka dot cover. It's not where any of us thought we would be. <laughs> I freaking love that cover. Do not, do not harsh that cover because that was amazing. <laughs> I I loved the cover and I, it was very Instagrammable, but I am I like- I can see how like, yeah, a, a certain I, reader may not pull it off the shelf at the bookstore. That's what I mean. I'm yeah. honest about that. It The cover itself was, you're either very attracted to it or like, maybe it's a little alienating. I'm sure. The Life Council, which is just a broader topic, a more even though I get into the nitty gritty in the book, but in general, the topic is a little more universal. The 
cover is a little less polarizing. Yeah. (laughs) So I am getting that. So it does not hurt my feelings that you say that at all. But also, you know what, Meg, if I may just say, your presence is felt on every page of the Life (laughs) Council. So it's possible that you're like, well, this is fantastic. (laughs) It's a work of art. It's absolute and utter genius. That is so funny. But truly, I do. I think it is so universal, the things that you talk about and just the concept that this really revolutionizes the way we can look at friendship. So I love it. But I know that you've been talking on a lot of podcasts and doing a lot of interviews and talking about this book and kind of sharing, having people share who fills these seats on their life council. But we thought this was your idea, Laura. Let's let's mix it up a little for the awesomes. They might like to hear a fresh take on it. So what we're going to do here in this first part of our discussion of it is each of us are going to talk about the seats that we fill on the life councils of our friends. So again, the concept is that we all have these seats on our life council and that we have our friends who fill those seats. And yet also we have to acknowledge awesomes that we are. We are on the life councils of many. So we thought that would be a fun way to approach the conversation. Let's see, Laura. Well, since you've been talking, let's just go ahead and have you kick off this conversation. What seat do you find yourself filling on a life council for a friend? Okay, well, I fill a lot of the seats that I write about. Like I actually do fill them depending on your personality. Sometimes I'm like a fun yes friend. Sometimes like I'm a deep soul sister. Sometimes I'm a business bestie because I do have a business. I need to talk about work. Like I feel like most of us can be in these different roles at different times. That's like part of the whole life council thing. But when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about here, I realized I do think I have a particular strength as a battle buddy. Okay. Tell us all about that. The life council seat that is the battle buddy is someone that you are going through something with. This can be, you know, as shallow or as deep as you make it, whatever your current battle is. Maybe it's a coworker in like a very sucky job. You know, maybe it's a fellow stay at home mom that you're both just in the trenches together. Maybe it's something a lot more serious, like uh, a a tragedy, um, you know, like a natural disaster kind of thing, a diagnosis, something like that. Someone that you are going through a thing with and not everybody else understands that battle. Mm -hmm. So it's someone else who can really relate to the nuances and the complications of the particular battle that you're going through. In the book, I write about my friend Amber Haynes as a battle buddy that we traveled internationally together. We went to Israel, we went to Haiti. And these were small trips. They were only, you know, a week or less trips. And so the quote unquote battle of that travel, it it wasn't for years or anything like that. Your battle buddy can just be something that is a short time like this. Yeah, But being really out of our comfort zone and you know, doing this, navigating all of this, these things together on this trip really like cemented our bond. Like it really like is something that I don't share with anyone else than Mm -hmm. Amber. Mm -hmm. It's very particular. We have a shorthand when we talk about those experiences together. So I think I have other battle buddies and I am a battle buddy. I think that I am good at being that type of friend. 
Like, I really like to do the deep dive analysis of whatever the thing is we're going through. You know, I can talk for hours about the thing, which I hope is a, you know, a plus for my friend and for myself. Like, I like never tire of the battle that we're going through. I like to be helpful. My personality type likes to be doing things like versus just always thinking about them. So I like in whatever the battle situation is to be having a, you know, have a plan, executing a plan, feeling like we're having some forward motion on whatever's happening. I like to give pep talks. Mm -hmm. I am actually, I love to give pep talks. Y'all are nodding because I Yes. Yeah, and you're good at it. (laughs) And and I feel like that's something that a battle buddy needs maybe to be like, okay, we Mm -hmm. can do this. You know, we are doing it. Like I, that's sort of my, that should be like on my gravestone. (laughs) We did it. We did it. Yes. Together. (laughs) And so no one wants to go through a battle, whatever your battle is, even if it's a silly battle, as sometimes they are, sometimes we're going through something that is you know, not as serious or serious battles, like whatever it is, we all go through battles at some point. It is enormously, like gives you so much comfort to have a battle buddy. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that's where I fall for some people. If they look back at our friendship, I think that I might be named a battle buddy by several people for all kinds of reasons. I honestly really do think that's where our friendship really took root. And it really was in that show choir rehearsal room. Like we were going through a thing together. And I, mm-hmm. I think that it can, it can be the start of really lasting long time friendships, or it can be a friendship that was just for a season, but one that you just hold such strong affection for that you can always look back on and like, we went through that together kind of thing. So. Yeah. And I, I really like the energy in friendship of we're in this together. Yeah. Now I don't want people to have a battle, you know, that, that part's hard. I'm not wishing battles on anyone, but I do like that as like a bonding agent in some ways. Like for me, that's helpful to be like, we're in it together. Like we're doing this, you know, I see you, you can do it. Like all of that. I, I like that energy, not the hard part of that energy, but the healthy part of that energy. I know Rebecca's over there right now saying, like, so you're talking about really a trauma bond, right? <laughs> Rebecca, and her- <laughs> Rebecca and her trauma bond. I didn't romance. even think about that. Oh, poor Laura probably doesn't even know, but I, I am obsessed with romance novels where our hero and our heroine are thrown together in something really traumatic and then they just like fall in love because they can't help it. Oh, it's so good. Sometimes, sometimes you might fall in love with your battle buddy. Let's be honest. <laughs> okay. Oh, that was so good. That was so good, Laura. And I, I know that that is such an important role for so many of us in friendship for sure. Kelly, let's hear from you. What is a role? What is a seat that you Bill on the life councils or council or councils um, in friendships in your life. Yeah. And this is interesting too, to think about how it may change over time. Yeah. You know, oh, like totally. that, it, especially, you know, there's the daily, the daily buddy sort of thing, like when you're in college um, or when you're mm-hmm. in some of those mommy groups, you know, when you're that sort of thing. But I feel like where I am right now, especially with friendship and, and to some degree, almost because of technology, because of the internet and the ways that we have to stay connected, I, at this point, am probably a soul sister for Mm. a lot of my good friendships. 
And as I was thinking about it, I thought the really, I think that part of it is just because, and this maybe doesn't surprise the awesomes. I don't know. It depends on kind of how you see me. I love to go deep. Like I am immediately like, tell me what the real thing is. And I have very little qualm going deep myself, being the one to say, I'm really struggling here. This is, this hard thing is happening. Like I am reading the room. I'm not telling the (laughs) checkout clerk at Trader Joe's that my mom has Alzheimer's, although I might. Um, if it feels like appropriate, and if I can still bring the mood up and be like, well, my mom has Alzheimer's and she doesn't do anything anymore. But yesterday she sang her birthday and that's why I'm buying this wine. Have a great yeah. day. I might. I don't know. But of the friendships that I've made, especially in the last five to six years, and many of them have other pinpoints, like Laura said, you know, it's the, it is the battle buddy. It is, um, even like an obsessive or a work situation, but they always end up with this feeling that Laura describes with the soul sister, which is like, we have a connection. There's something that is almost like pulling us together. And we're just like, wait, why do I get you so quickly? And there were, there have been people and I've told the story before on the podcast. I have a friend whose name is Jill, who I literally met in line at the apple orchard. And then we were thrown together like, a week later, we were at a same event that we were attending with, like, we have mutual friends and we didn't even know it. But even yeah. at the Apple Orchard, as we were talking, we were like, oh my gosh, like, we're having so much fun here. I guess we got to check out and go our respective ways. And then we got thrown together again. And then we started talking and we have all these things in common. And we were just like, what's happening in the yes. universe? Like, we are being yes. pulled together. And that is, I've had that experience with new friends in the last six years numerous times. And yeah. and then once you start to look for it, it feels like, well, sh- surely, and this has happened as I start to invest in other friendships that maybe didn't have the magical pull at the beginning, but you can see that there's something there. When you invest in a friendship, when you make that choice to be intentional yeah. and pursue that person where you're like, well, maybe we're not soul sisters yet. Maybe it's more of a mentor relationship, but I think that we could be. Um, mm-hmm. And and you pursue it, you you develop that kind of, this is really something special. This person gets me in a way that other people don't. And, you know, then you know that energy of what that person's going to bring to your life. So I just feel like when I look at all of my close relationships, that's the thing that they have in common is kind of this deeper, um, I really get you, I know you, even if we don't talk regularly, we can pick up in six months on Voxer or when you're in town and just like be, you know, it's that experience of feeling like, wow, I feel like I am going deeper at a level with you that I do with yeah. people that I may see in the day to day. Yeah, it's, it's just a connection. So it's, it's, I was really grateful, you know, Laura, when you said you want this book to remind people to have us look around and, and see our abundance that chapter in particular, I was like, I am so lucky that when I'm reading this chapter, I'm thinking about how many people in my life can sit in that chair on my life council. But I think also I probably fill that role for others. That's pretty rare, Kelly. The soul sister, as I wrote about it, is something that sometimes people only have like once in a lifetime. I, I believe you because I know you and I know how you connect deeply with others. What's unique about a soul sister, the most unique of any of the other life council members is that it requires that it's a two-way street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with some of these other 
friendships. Like you might be someone's business bestie, but they might not be yours. You know, just how you think about it. The mentor role is a little bit of a one-way street, you know, that kind of thing. They're all a little bit like that or can be. The soul sister, it sort of has to be mutually agreed upon that we are deeply connecting. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And that feels like a... That's like a chemistry thing. That's one Mm. of the things that is sort of akin to dating. You know, you can date like a lot of people, but then when you have this different feeling with one person, you really notice the difference. Like, oh, our connection is different. That's like what a soul sister is in friendship. And it's really special. It's really special. If you are feeling that connected to other people, then you are connected like to the universe, like to like a greater good. I feel that, Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. I I do think it's really cool when it is like a chemistry thing. And because maybe I'm at the age I am or, you know, having seen it before, I don't feel as weird about calling it out at some point and being like, why, why do I feel, I feel so in sync with you. Like, what is happening here? And then if the other person is like, me too, what's going on? You know, you're like, okay, it's not just me. Um, you know, there's there's something that's outside of us that is yeah. pulling us together for a reason. And so we're trusting it. And we're mm-hmm. just like, this is going to be a friendship that matters to me and that I want to invest in. Um, yeah. And so it is really special. I believe you when you say that it's rare. And that's why I feel so, so, so lucky in this area. I think that we all too often reserve the idea of love at first sight for romance or (laughs) intimate relationships. But I do think there are absolutely those friendships that spark in a love at first sight or a first conversation in line at the apple orchard kind of situation. So that's so good, Kelly. I loved hearing that. And I am confident that many awesomes, especially those who have been with us for a long time, would absolutely be like, oh, I experience you that way in my earbuds, in our parasocial friendship that we have. (laughs) So good. All right, Rebecca, let's hear from you, my friend. What seat do you fill? Okay. So as I was going through Laura's book, I chuckled a bit when I got to the chapter titled The Fellow Obsessive, Mm -hmm. because I thought to myself, "Hmm, (laughs) this sounds like something I might relate to. And and I was I was right. So I would say that uh, the fellow obsessive is definitely a seat that I I feel for more than one person. And in fact, then as I I read the chapter, and then while I was doing prep for this episode, I took a break to grab a snack, and I happened to hit play on a Voxer message from a friend, and she was reaching out because she wanted, and I quote a full dissertation on the Bachelor franchise. Whoa. <laughs> it's almost like and she, she knew, you. I was going to say, she knew exactly where to take that request. Yes. <laughs> she said, I really have never watched. I don't quite get it. I know some people really do. Can you please tell me like literally everything? And I laughed so hard because I literally was just going through all of my prep for this episode. I was like, yes, this is the confirmation I needed. I am the fellow obsessive. Do you want to take a deep dive into obsession? Sign me up. I will drown in it with you. (laughs) 
I absolutely love finding outlets for each of my obsessions, people for each of those. And I, I collect them like trading cards <laughs> or maybe even more accurately, like stuffed animals because each one <laughs> brings me comfort. Yes. That's comfort in knowing I that love I'm, it. Yes. Comfort in knowing that I'm not alone. Comfort in knowing that I am not the only crazy one. <laughs> I love that. I have a couple examples. I'm sure all the awesomes are already listing tons of examples <laughs> in their own minds of ways that I'm obsessive. But I think the year was maybe 2007 or 2008, and I was obsessed with couponing. And I went especially hard on couponing at CVS. <laughs> and on Black Friday that year, I woke up at 6 a.m. in the morning to meet a friend at CVS and it is the one and only time I have ever woke up early <laughs> for Black Friday shopping. I have known for you for so long. I don't think I've ever heard this story before, and it's amazing. <laughs> for the record, lines at CVS at 6 a.m. on Black Friday, non-existent. It was com- it was there was no need. There was no need. <laughs> I don't even remember what we bought. It probably was like shampoo, toothpaste. I don't like five of them, but you got those Black Friday deals. You sure did. (laughs) It's one of the stupidest things I've done for an obsession. And then just yesterday, a friend asked me a question about sheer nail polish. Oh. And I proceeded to leave her a nine minute long (laughs) boxer message detailing every single thought I have ever had about sheer nail polish. I forgot about your nail polish obsession. I I can't believe I forgot. I literally have found people who will be outlets for every single one of my obsessions. I, I I don't even know if I could count how many fellow obsessives I have on my personal life council. It's a very big chair. I, my obsessives. Oh my word! Oh my word! It it is a huge is a huge lounge. It's just full of people willing to indulge me on all of my crazy thoughts. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is so funny. The thing about the fellow obsessive, which. Fun fact, I almost left this one out of the book. Oh, oh gosh. Man. How tragic. <laughs> so when I was like early stages of the book, like, you know, brainstorming different types of friends and different seats and whatever, I was hesitant to put that one in because I I was feeling a little sensitive about maybe the word obsession, obsessed, oh, you know, right, being right, obsessive, right. like yes. that it could, it, mm-hmm. it can tip into a dark quality. And I was yeah. really not, well, I really want, didn't want that to come through. Yeah. So I was... You know, I was sort of on the fence about it being one of the final 10. Mm-hmm. And my editor was like, oh, no, that's my favorite one. <laughs> yeah. And as I have been talking about the book this last month or so, people who are able to read it early or whatever, they're also really connecting to that one. And so, so that, that's a side fact. But the thing about The Fellow Obsessive that I really love is that it's fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times yes. when we're talking about friendship in a serious manner, we are talking about like connection and breakups and angst and navigation and all of these things. And we don't give a lot of credence to the best part of friendship, which is fun. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> you know, that's that not part right. of this like philosophical conversation around friendship. Right. And so I love being like, you know, what's awesome about friends is the fun part. Like, 
not just that they make you laugh because they're funny people, but because it is very enjoyable to be mutually obsessed with something. Yes. Like it's fun mm-hmm. it to is. just deep dive mm-hmm. on the thing. Yes. And why don't we ever talk it's about that part? Fun. fun doesn't have to mean you go on big trips together. It right. doesn't have to mean this grand thing. Fun is just, you know, a good Voxer deep dive. Yes, it absolutely. Nine minutes about sheer nail polish. (laughs) That is fun. (laughs) And I would be remiss, and I know Awesomes Everywhere are about to like just speak these words out loud with me, but if you want to really explore, if you want to deep dive on the deep dive friend and the power of community, of course, you have to read. This is not a book about Benedict Cumberbatch by Tabitha Carbon, which we talked about a lot last year. One of the most important books I've read probably in the past five years, because it's about that very thing, Laura, just this, that how... Mm -hmm much depth of fun and experience it brings to communities, to relationships. So great. Um, okay. I guess that leaves me. And I did see myself literally on a lot of pages in the book. No, like literally. <laughs> literally. I even I even say it in the book. I'm like, when I write about you, which I write about you as the password protector in my yeah. life, because I had to put you officially somewhere, but I put in there like, actually, Meg is my friend that fills all of these scenes, sort of. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we have been that to each other in the last 30 years. And so literally 30 years. But anyway, I do want to say you are all over this book. (laughs) Well, it it really is. I mean, I think that for each of these seats, I'm like, I guess I can see myself in in these different roles. The one I want to talk about is the very first one, fresh out of the gate, that you discuss in the book, Laura, and that is the daily duty friend. And I I'm going to actually pull out your description of it to read, Laura. It says from the from your book, as the name implies, a daily duty friend is someone who is part of your regular everyday life. Not a long distance friend, not a special occasion, girls night every other month friend. She's a friend who doesn't blink to see you without a bra in mid-afternoon, who doesn't pause in speaking as she tiptoes around the toys and laundry that litter the family room floor. Why are you spying on me? That's so rude. <laughs> She's the friend who has memorized the days you get off work early or who grabs an extra bottle of your favorite shampoo when it's on sale and then leaves it randomly on your kitchen counter without explanation. This is how pop culture depicts adult women friendships all the time. But the daily duty friend is a pretty special relationship. If you happen to read this description and think, this sounds like most of my friends, then consider yourself lucky. And, oh, I just got chills reading that. That is the perfect way to describe the daily duty friend. And I do have one specific friend who I talk about a lot, and I talked about her with you, Laura, on our um, Secret Tapes recording. And that's my best friend, Catherine. We have been friends, just to give you context, we were like close friends in middle school. We were kind of close friends in college, but our adult friendship is where we really became the daily duty friend for each other. This has been over 10 years. Catherine has seen me without a bra in mid-afternoon more times than I can count. And I have seen her that way as well. No makeup, fresh from the shower. I've opened the door with a baby in my arms more than once with like tears running down my face. Like she is the person who has seen me in that way. I, She's the person that when I'm going to Costco, I'll be like, I'm going to Costco. Do y'all need some more of those chicken nuggets everybody likes? <laughs> and you know, you just like, or you just pick up a bag. Um, but she she and I for each other, and I know that I feel this seat in her life council as well. We are, we just, we talk constantly through the day. 
We talk across all of the platforms that are available. That's that's my go-to person for just the minutia of the day. I think I even talked about her in that episode years ago, calling her my freezer friend, because mm. that is the level of... <laughs> daily intimacy that we have where like we would be on Voxer literally as we're driving to the grocery store talking about what we're going to make for dinner that week and what we had in our freezer that we could pull out and make for dinner. I think that the thing that I've thought about so much since reading the book, Laura, in that chapter especially, is that it is easy to take that kind of friendship for granted when you've had that kind of friend in your life or you've been that kind of friend for somebody for a while. And it's just, it's become so incorporated into the rhythms of my days to have a daily duty friend and to be a daily duty friend who listens to, like, I, I would say I know more about the health history of Catherine's husband and children than many of their healthcare providers do. Like, <laughs> I could be writing, I could be giving diagnosis and, and writing prescriptions at this point. Um, but I was just thinking about how like, that's so easy to take for granted when it's just something you have. And um, I, mean, I do think that it's become a little bit more unusual in this modern era because it is kind of the kind of friend that you need the physical proximity to. It doesn't have to be. Mm. And I certainly have had friendships that mostly lived in, you know, like in, in Voxer or over text or back in the day over email when we just couldn't be in that same physical space. But those friendships that are actually in person are like, they're, they're so huge. Um, and I think a lot of us might be missing that, especially in these post-pandemic days. So, yeah. Okay. So uh, three things about the daily duty friend. First, most of us, when we make friends in our earliest part of life are daily duty friends by nature. So yeah. when we are making friends at school yes. that we see all day, every day, eight hours a day, those are daily duty friends. Maybe you have a deep connection, maybe you don't, but this is how we first experience friendship for the yes. most part. Mm -hmm. And then that's what friendship looks like for the first almost two decades of your life. And then when you get into adulthood, you don't understand <laughs> the gap of like why adult friendships are hard. And it's because you don't have someone that you see eight hours a day, whether yes. you like them or not. So I do think that that sort of trajectory of relationship is what fuels us feeling a scarcity there mm -hmm. of like, well, where are all my friends? I used to have friends all the time and mm -hmm. now I don't. And I think it's natural, but it def definitely feels like a, a gap, you know, yeah. in your life. Secondly, I did not have a daily duty friend until I was 40, 40. Mm -hmm. So okay. if you don't have, I mean, I, as a child I did, but like in adulthood. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't have that, but you feel like that's what pop culture tells you all friends are like, or mm -hmm. the friends that are over at your house every day and walk in without knocking and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. A lot of us do not have that. I mm -hmm. did not have that in my late 20s. I did not have that in my 30s at all. That is not what my early marri married life and, and parenthood looked yeah. like. I wanted it deeply. I like, craved that. I did not get that until um, I was 40. And my daughter joined a club sport and mm -hmm. a, a friend that I was already dear friends with, like stepped it up and became someone I talked to every single day. We became one another's daily duty friends. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, I want to say about daily duty friends, you have a deep connection with Catherine and a deep, deep history mm -hmm. because you've known each other for so long. Mm -hmm. 
But the nature of daily duty, friends, is only dailiness. So it does not have to be someone that you feel a deep connection with or that you have a deep history with. This is why I want people to look at the landscape of their lives. Who do you actually see daily that can be a daily duty friend? This might be another mom at carpool. This may be a crossover with someone at your workplace, like someone that you literally see daily, a neighbor, yes, like sort of circumstantially that you can sort of elevate in your mind to be like, actually, if I'm going to see this woman every single day, like, yes, maybe we should talk a little more. Maybe we should notice if we're, you know, not in our work clothes and in our pajamas instead that maybe something's happening there. Like the dailiness is what is special. Yeah. And I think sometimes we dismiss people who are in our lives daily. Like mm-hmm. I said, a neighbor, a coworker, a fellow mom. We dismiss them because we've already made a judgment of like, they're not really my type of person. I'm never going to have a deep chemistry connection with this person. I've already made that judgment. And so we dismiss Mm -hmm. the power in seeing someone every single day. Yes. It just has its own intimacy. That is an intimacy. Absolutely. Right? Like even if it's Mm -hmm. not soul deep. Yes. And so I just want people when they're reading about daily duty, it doesn't have to be magical. It just has to be daily. Yes, such a great point. Okay, we've talked through the seats that we fill um, on the life councils of others. I think that we want to balance it out by talking about the very realistic nature of friendship. It's that sometimes we do, we might read Laura's book, or we're just looking around at our life, and we see some seats that currently aren't filled that we're like, okay, I'm open universe, bring me this kind of friend. And so we want to talk about the friends that we're looking for to fill seats on our life council. And we'll do that when we come right back. Hey friends, the last few years have taught us how important mental health is to our overall state of well-being. As I have shared multiple times on the show, not only do I struggle with periodic anxiety, I'm also deeply prone to depression and depressive seasons that end up stealing so much from my life. So much of that changed for me when I discovered the practice of daily meditation and I was able to access and really incorporate daily meditation into my life because of Headspace. Headspace helps improve mental health through guided meditations, mindfulness practices, breathing and calming exercises, and so much more. The Headspace tools can help reduce anxiety, they can boost your mood, and help you sleep better. Headspace combines scientifically proven benefits of meditation and mindfulness with modern practices, and they create customized, personalized approaches to help you navigate through all of life's moments, big and small. And what I super love about Headspace is when you only have a few minutes to get into the right Headspace, there are programs to do on the go when you're pressed for time. Please don't think meditation means you have to set aside 30 minutes out of your day to practice mindfulness. Headspace teaches you how to incorporate mindfulness and meditation into the rhythms of your day that are already there. Headspace has helped me and more than 100 million people worldwide, and they can help you to listen up. You do not want to miss this. I have arranged something special for our awesomes. For a limited time, all of you can try Headspace free for 30 days by going to headspace.com slash awesome2023. You guys are not going to find this offer anywhere else. You must use our link, H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E dot com slash awesome2023 to unlock all of Headspace free for 30 days. This is not something they normally do. Headspace.com slash awesome2023. 
Okay, we are back. And like I said before the break, we are talking now a little bit about, hey, I now I know what these Life Council seats are. Thank you, Laura, for defining them. And we can see this in our lives. But I think every single woman, if you, you know, sat down and kind of said, like, let's talk about where your friendships are, would say, yeah, I've, I've got some a seat or maybe multiple seats that are empty. And I think it's very empowering. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Laura, you gave us such a good vocabulary to work with. It's very empowering to be like, okay, now I know that what I've been craving when I say I don't have any good friends or my friendships, you know, I want to work on friendship or whatever. Now I know specifically what it is that I'm missing. So Kelly, let's, let's talk about for you, as you look at your life council, where's an empty seat that you would love to see filled? So one of the friends that Laura defines on the Life Council is the password protector. That's me. Right? That's what I'm getting. Okay. I'm trying to remember. Yes. You, Meg, is in that chapter for Laura. She's one of the people that fills that position. And I do remember this was one of the things you talked about way back on the Sort of Awesome episode, right? Of 10 things or 10 friends that every woman should have. And even then, I was like, Huh. And so reading the book now, I still think that is an open seat on my life council. And I've been kind of wondering why I think that for me, and it's an interesting thing for a long time in my life. And even still now, most of my closest, like in real life friends do not do what I do. They are not interested in digital. They are not interested in journaling. They are not writers. They are not creatives in that way. I almost have like, it's not a very clear line, but I have like online, most of my creative friends are not in my circle yeah. in my real life. So I have found them. You know, I do have them. I have you guys. You're like, we, I have those friends came at me in a mm. digital sense. Like that. And then sometimes as in the case of this, they have blossomed into, yes, I have met you in real life except for Rebecca. And we're sorry, we'll get there someday. (laughs) But at the same time, those are the people who I feel like the password protection, like that understand, like uh, some of my closest friends in real life are still like, oh, I just don't like know the computer. I don't really do social media. And this is, so we just don't, there's like a whole big gap and that's fine. You know, like I don't care. Um, But we don't talk about those things then yes, um, because it's not they're not watching TikTok and they're not, you know, like, it's just not a thing that we share. We share other things. So I guess I haven't kind of bridged the gap, you know, to find the person who I would say, here, you can be the keeper of my almost like digital secrets, right? Right. You're saying like, you are the person who's the backup. I trust you. And I also know you get this world. Yeah. So yeah. And it is definitely one of those things that I think is super important to think about because I'm at this age where having had parents die, you know, like the idea of what happens to your digital self when you're no longer able to access it is super important. Mm-hmm. And something that I don't think we talk about enough, like we're just kind of still getting there. Most of the greatest generation and even the older boomers and things that are dying, they didn't have a huge right. digital footprint. So, you know, when my dad died, we had to clean out his house. We were cleaning out literal things. Yes. Like we still have his computer and he was pretty tech savvy yeah. for being somebody his his age. So yeah. something to think about and something that I thought I just need to, to think about how to almost like integrate some of these friendships. Um, yeah, that's a good word for it in different ways. So the password protector is both literal and metaphorical. And Mm -hmm. it's one of the reasons that I gave this seat to Meg in the book is because like you said, Kelly, most of my friends are either like online type of friends they are doing online work. And that's where we connect or real life 
mom life, childhood friends, whatever. And and I also kept them pretty separate. What was really unique about my friendship with Meg and has been for decades now is that we intersect on both of those things. And it has made us even closer over the years. I also trust implicitly the way that she is online, the way she conducts herself online, basically. (laughs) And then also, I, I trust her with my passwords that she would never abuse that knowledge in any way. So it's a multi-leveled thing. But but for the average person who's not even working online, I do think it is important that you have someone who, in the event of a tragedy or an emergency, can log into your stuff, can be a spokesperson mm-hmm. if they need to. Yes. Um, this might be a family member. This might not be a friendship. But like for me, Meg is my designated person on Facebook. If there's something that goes awry, she's the little contact that actually Facebook lets you yeah. um, you know, add that person. And then there's also I've created a document that has my passwords in it that that Meg or my husband could access if if they needed to, if I was unavailable. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I do think it's an important relationship and not one that's talked about much because we always think, well, you know, it all, it all we'll never need out. that. It'll work out. It'll work out. <laughs> it is quite a modern uh, turn in friendship for sure, but I do think it is really important. And I do think if you are close with someone who either um, had a, you know, a tragedy happened where they were just like, you know, not able to communicate anything or did pass away. And you've seen the fallout from that. It kind of is like a little jolt of like, oh my gosh, I need to, I need to get this lined up. So that's a good one, Kelly. Um, Rebecca, how about for you? What is a a seat on your life council that you're open to being filled? Uh, For me, it would be the daily duty friend. And I think the reason I say that is because looking back on those college years, I absolutely loved having those really close, intimate relationships and certainly went through a bit of a grieving period after graduation and having that go away and then having to, you know, redefine those relationships and seeing the shifts that happen there. I I think I try really hard to recreate this for myself um, virtually mm-hmm. through Voxer messages. Yeah. I have a lot of really close local friends, but none of them live like actually in, in my town. Right. Like we're not actually seeing each other every day. We might be talking every day. They might be a freezer friend that knows what I have in my freezer or what I like at Costco, but they're not, I'm not actually seeing them every day. Yeah. Um, but after listening to Laura talking more about the daily duty friend, I'm actually thinking my most recent daily duty friend might have been my furnace repair tech, Lester, <laughs> because <laughs> he was here so often. And one of my friends said to me, she's like, oh my goodness, I completely forgot that I was having this repair person come to the house and I came downstairs and I was just wearing like workout clothes and my hair wasn't done. And I was like, oh honey, Lester, let me tell you about my relationship with Lester. He has seen me in all kinds of states of getting ready. I mean, I've been in my pajamas. I've been like with my hair all wrapped up in this curly uh, Mm -hmm. t-shirt thing. I've been like all actually like nice and like dressed well. And when he left this last time that I saw him, I said to him, I mean, should we like, should we be on each other's Christmas card list? Or like, what's going on? Like, I'm going to Facebook friends. Uh, We have really spent a lot of time together in my basement. (laughs) Trust me, I never want to see him again. I am so sick and tired of my furnace giving me trouble. This has been, I'm not going to get into it, but it has been so long. But anyway, Lester is probably my most recent daily duty friend, but I'm open for a new one. 
And and your platonic trauma bond, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for real, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, we are not compatible. what if you had been like, <laughs> Lester? You're now on my life council. <laughs> just so you know, this isn't the last you've heard from me. Just because I'm going to need to know what happened with you and Helen. You know, like the things that you hear of people, and you're like, I don't want to know how the story ends. Trust me, Lester knows how nuts I am. I, I at one point said to him, I was like, listen, I am freaking out. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to tell you what I'm scared of, and you need to tell me that everything's going to be okay. Yes. And that's that's where we're at with this conversation. Like, we got that honest with each other, all about my furnace. Lester was like, <laughs> okay, and so you're an Enneagram 6. Okay, got you. Let me let me help you with your worst-case scenario fear. I mean, if he had said that, he literally would be. <laughs> literally would be. Like, can you imagine a tech being like, uh, do you know the Enneagram? And you'd be like, sit down. We're having coffee. Forget the furnace. I'm pouring you a cup of coffee. Let's talk. Oh my gosh. I really, really love that. Um, and yeah, I do. Laura, I love the way you reframed the whole daily duty thing. It could be somebody who you do see on the regular. Um, for me, the friend that I really would love to fill and I, I, it's been it's been vacant a long time, you guys, is the new friend. When I read the book and I knew that we were going to be thinking about like, who do we want to have fill a seat on or like what seats need to be filled? I was like, oh, well, that's not true. I've got my friend Grace. She's a new friend. You guys, Grace and I became friends over four years ago. Like <laughs> there's, there's, there, there could be some freshening of the friendship circle here. Laura, I love in the book that you tell the story about something that happened with you and your new friend at the time, Jenna, your good friend, Jenna, who many of us might like to be good friends with, might recognize. Um, but you you had gone to an event that Jenna had invited you to. It was in a political context. And there was some, you know, kind of as political conversations tend to be, maybe a little bit heated conversation. And that um, Jenna's approach to it was one of just curiosity. And like, she didn't know your whole backstory and, and growing up in Oklahoma and all of these things that come at, you know, that you were still carrying as this is who I am at the time or who I was, how I grew up. And that she was just curious about it. And that you write about Jenna, you said, I realized that a new friend is so much more likely to let you change. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, that sentence leapt off the page at me because I think so many of my friendships are people that I have known for a long time. And I get so comfortable in that. I mean, Again, to go to Enneagram theory as a nine, I love comfort and I love predictability. Um, I think that growing up with a sister, uh, my sister Emily, who's 14 months younger than me, we have always kind of filled that deep, deep, deep close friendship for each other. There's all these things, um, dynamics that can allow us to get into this place of this pattern of not really making new friends. And I had to like have a little, not confrontation, but a little, little conversation with myself about why do I not make very many new friends? And I just, I mean, obviously we're coming off of a pandemic. And so that kind of dampened the new friendship <laughs> uh, vibe for a while. I understand yeah. that, but really and truly, that that chapter was so powerful to me and it really did make me think like, okay, I, I could make some space for some new friends in my life. So thank you for that. That was really a great insight. Well, another thing I say in the book is 
old friends get all the glory, but new friends can change your life. Yes. Because we don't talk about how valuable a new friend is. And I actually think your friend that you've only had for four years, that still can fall into new friend territory, especially with the pandemic sort of being wedged in there. But I mean, it's sort of like how long is a short stick sort of thing of like, if most of your friends are 20 years old in your relationship, then a a four-year-old friend is still new to you. So I think that that still counts. We're not going to be making new friends every few months. I mean, most likely, you know what I mean? So a few, every few years, I think a new friend. Mm -hmm. That story with Jenna was actually a charity event. It wasn't a political event, but it, but it was the spring of 2016. Oh, that's and why. So, okay, yes. I got it confused in my mind, but yes. So there was a lot of political talk happening in the yes. spring of 2016. And I was in a deep turmoil in that time, as I've you know talked and written about. Like I was radically changing my uh, belief systems mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I mean, a lot of people were. They, that was the country was really rumbling in that moment. So a big political discussion sort of came up at the table. And then later, Jenna was like, why were you so emotional? I was like crying in the ballet line, not out of anger, not it wasn't a bad political discussion. It was just emotional. And so she, out of curiosity, as a new friend would do, would be like, what's going on with you? And so then I said, like, this is, I've always been this and and I'm changing to this. And it it feels like leaving behind a whole life. Mm. And I got to explain that to her in a totally different way than my old friends are receiving that information, right? Yes. They're just, mm-hmm. she's receiving it different. And also I'm, I get to present it different to a new friend. Yeah. Yeah. And new friends see you where you are right now. Yes. They see you for this person that you have probably fought pretty hard to become. Mm, yeah. And they are not carrying all this old baggage of holding you to who you used to be. I love that. And I just think we don't talk about like how good that is. Usually we talk about new friends as like, oh, this is a slog. Like I have to like get to know someone new (laughs) or like, you know, we talk about it in a way of like, well, they're a new friend. It's not that deep, whatever. We talk about it in Mm -hmm. these ways that don't give it a reverence. And I wanted to give new friends like a reverence to be like, no, y'all new friends was like the key to our growth. Yes. It's the key to us moving forward is to making new friends in the space, in the direction that we're headed. Wow. Got chills all over again. That is such a good, good word about friendship. Before we wrap up, Laura, you've spent all this time, these years thinking about friendship and writing this book. I'm just so curious. Is there any open seat on your life council right now? I've had an open seat off and on for a while. It's never been fully filled. There's never been a strong butt in that chair. (laughs) (laughs) You need some Velcro, girl. (laughs) The seat has been cold. And that is the mentor. Mm, I have always wanted like a traditional mentor in a career space or in a you know, parenthood guidance space in a, like, I've always wanted like the mentor of the movies, yes. you know what I mean? Like that, <laughs> that really imparts their wisdom upon you and tells you what to do. Now I write about mentors that I've had in my life that were uh, people that I sort of aspired to be more like them. Mm-hmm. They were older than me. And so I was like, oh, I, I want my life to look like this in 10 mm-hmm. years or whatever. One of them's Chris Ann that I already talked about who inspired the whole title of this book. Mm-hmm. She's a wonderful personal kind of mentor to me indirectly. Mm-hmm. But I've always wanted like a formal 
mentor relationship. Like you're the mentor, I'm the mentee, <laughs> you know, and I'm soaking it in. I, especially in a business sense, professional sense, I want someone to just be like, here's what you need to do. Yes. Wouldn't that be so wonderful? Yeah. That mm-hmm. I am a very, here's what you need to do person. Like I say that those words come out of my mouth all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think we are, you know, like in a love language way, we love on people the way that we want to be loved on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I am yeah. very bossy to people in my personal life, like as a way to love on them. Like I want to fix this for you. Here's what you need to do. I crave someone saying that to me. And I do not have any real bossy friends who speak to me that way. Yes. And I, I mean, that's sort of conflating a little bit what a mentor is, but I guess I just want someone to offer like actual direct guidance. Yes, absolutely. And I, I have never really had that. I, I get it. I do. And I think a lot of us are looking for that as well. Laura, this was so good. Thank you for bringing this book. Thank you for sharing the book with us ahead of time so we could give it a a preview. Tell the people where we can find you and where we can find the book and when it officially comes out and just everything we need to know. The book officially comes out April 4th, 4-4, because I'm a weird person about numbers and I chose that I love it. (laughs) 4-4. It's called The Life Council, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs. You can learn more about the book and you can pre-order if you want to get the bonuses. You can buy from your favorite retailer all at thelifecouncilbook.com. Perfect. If you want to follow me, my favorite place is on Instagram at laura.tremaine. You can find all of links to all of these things at lauratremaine.com. It's also probably the easiest. Perfect. Love it. Thank you so much. Kelly, if we want to talk with you on social media about any topic under the sun, where can we find you all around the web? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and still on Twitter, you guys. It's still going. Still so exists. Still there. <laughs> it still exists. Hasn't imploded yet. At Kelly Gordon MN. And you can also find me at a website if you're looking for recipes, kellygordonmn.com. Awesome. Rebecca, how about you? My website is simplyrebecca.com. And then my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram at simplyrebecca. Okay, you can find me on social media sporadically. That's sort of awesome, Meg. Um, Don't forget, though, if you are headed to the Eras Tour or if you know somebody who is, come over to megteats.substack.com and get signed up for the Bejeweled newsletter. I would love to have you join the Bejeweled community. Um, If you're looking for Sort of Awesome, just search Sort of Awesome, whatever platform you're on, you can find us. And we have links in the show notes for you guys. Laura, thank you again so much. This has been fantastic. I loved this so much. Y'all are amazing. You truly are. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.